This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Good episode today for the Samsonites and Nobodies. We're going to talk about the Caesar Goodson verdict in the Freddie Gray case. We're also going to get into a pretty big climate change oil drilling segment, right, Joey? Yes. And we're also going to touch on the Supreme Court's 5 3 decision. Yes, that was a nice tease, Joey. And then we also got our classic 2016 update at the end. Really nice episode. Stick around. I think you'll enjoy it. The Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City for the 86th time. Hi, everyone. My name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined by my right-hand man, one of the best friends anyone could ever ask for, Joseph Noe. Hi, Joey. Hi, Chris. How you doing? I think you misspoke. I think this is 87. Is it? Nope. I misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> what a great start. Yeah. Never question me. How dare you? Uh, hi, Joey. I'm glad that you're here. We're also being produced by Johnny today. Johnny, say hi to the people. What's up? No, you got to get now. That's Evans that he goes, what up? You got to do your own. You got to come up with something uh, new here. Does Evan have what's up? I can't say ah, what up. up. What's up? It's kind of the same. Let me hi, everyone. Your... There you go. Okay. That's new. That's your hey thing. Now. Hey, now. Yeah, hey, hey, now. Hey, now. That's going to be your thing. Uh, Hey now, Samsonites, welcome to the show. We got a good one lined up here today. We've got some quick hits off the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're getting into a climate change oil drilling segment that I pieced Ooh. together last night. Yeah, I've been saving a few articles over the last couple of weeks until we can bundle them up to do like a nice segment. So we got that. Uh, we also have the Supreme Court ruling on police search rules, which I'm sure people have heard about a little bit. If you haven't, we're going to break that down. Uh, we'll also mention some of the other rulings that came mm-hmm. down this week that people are talking about. Uh, we have an Orlando update and a gun control update because that's been like the big story over the last week or so. Yes, it has been. Uh, and then finally, obviously, we'll end with our classic 2016 update that we do. I want to mention this. I teased it right at the beginning of last week's episode, the Kim Kardashian tweets about the Orlando thing. Listen to the episode, and I was like, God, I left it out. Ah, boo. And I got it today. We're not going to let that go. Kim Kardashian, Kiki, once again, as I like to call her, uh, she'll be on the show. I also added to the top of the rundown here, um, the fr- a verdict came down for one of the police officers in the Freddie Gray case. We'll get to that mm-hmm. uh, very shortly. First, I want to just give a couple of shout-outs to Justin, who sent an email. What up, man? He says uh, he's recommending the documentary Re- Requiem. For the American dream, which he says is hmm. about corporatism in the country, and I, we'd probably enjoy it because it's stuff we talk about all the mm-hmm. time. And uh, he thinks the Samsonites might enjoy it as well. So I'm throwing that out there. I'm definitely going to try to check that out as soon as possible. I also want to shout out Adrian, who sent a really nice email. Very uh, complimentary. Nice guy. And he wanted some stickers, which he will be getting. So nice. I really appreciate it. Okay. You got anything to say off the top here, Joe? You want to just uh, jump into this Freddie Gray stuff? Let's jump into Freddie. So... The, again, I didn't have a chance to really like do a you know a, a class a rundown in the classical sense of how mm-hmm. I normally do them. So we're just kind of going off the cuff here. I will say I had an article saved from yesterday 
where experts were saying that the judge was leaning towards the verdict that he came up with today. He acquitted Caesar Goodson of, of second degree murder, all charges that he was facing mm-hmm. in the, in the death of Freddie Gray. He was leaning towards this verdict because he didn't buy the rough ride theory, yeah. which is essentially, I, I don't know how you could not understand that. I mean, to me, that seems like that was the case. Um, I'm trying to find here. Talk, talk about it for a second. I mean, what are your thoughts off the top? I'm trying to find a quote here. Well, I, I, I don't think the rough ride is, you know, it's one possible thing, but I think there should be some accountability for the fact that this man has lost his life and there is no justice whatsoever. No, and this is a real, this is a dip. Here's the thing. I mean, I understand there needs to be concrete evidence at a certain point, but I don't understand how you could look at what happened, understand what his injuries were, know all the facts about this, and then be like, well, I don't know. You can't definitively say that he tried to kill the guy. They stopped a bunch of times. There's only, it seems, a few ways that you could have killed him. They stopped six times. Right. No, I know. This this is what the judge had to say. Here's the quote I was looking for. The judge Barry Williams in the case. Uh, he says, there has been no credible evidence presented at this trial that the defendant intended any crime to happen. Seemingly, the state wants this court to assume simply because Mr. Gray was injured that the defendant intentionally gave, gave Mr. Gray a rough ride. Um, I mean, how would you prove... Other than him being like, yeah, that's what I did. How would you prove it? You can't. Well, right, except for the fact that obviously that's the only thing that really could have happened. Yeah, but he should still be held. Like, obviously that wasn't his intention, but it happened. Well, we and don't the, know that that's not his. Well, you're saying that he actually died. That's not Yes, he actually intention. died right, 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 right. Is, is the fact. But you're saying, but now we can't prove that the intent was to kill Correct. him. Correct. But clearly the rough ride was the intent. Like, Or even if it wasn't, it, the, the point is it occurred. Right. It's it happened. A, yeah, yeah. Can we just chalk it up to being an accident, which is essentially what ends up being the case because they can't specifically prove that this is what he set out to do. I, I just don't understand it based on all the evidence, um, you know, to to the contrary, that this is obviously something that they intended to do. They, they intended to fuck with this kid in whatever form that that works out. And this also ties into what we're going to talk about a little bit later with the Supreme Court ruling um, about police searches. They stopped Freddie Gray for running yes i mean that's what happened they made eye contact with someone they don't have any proof that he has anything they chase him down they tackle him they rough him up and then they they arrest him because they found a the knife the knife but that's exactly what the supreme court is ruling on in another case where they found meth on a guy um well we'll get into that a little bit later but i mean it really ties in and it's a it's a sad state of affairs that we're willing to say well Look, I mean, the cops got the evidence illegally. They stopped someone illegally, but look, they found something illegal. So it all justifies the, the ends justify the means. I I don't agree, and that's Sonia Sotomayor later is going to dissent heavily against that. Yeah, because what ends up happening is you lose liberty. They're slowly, uh, slowly stripping away liberty. Well, absolutely, and I, and I don't think, I don't think, I don't think being black and running is a crime. Is a crime. It's not, and that's. I mean, let's be honest. That's not something that's going to happen to me or you. Correct. It, it, you know, if I make eye contact, I just don't believe that's going to be the case. So it, clearly there's a race issue here, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked about at length. And there's also, like you're talking about, if one person's losing liberty, we're all losing yeah. it. Yep. And especially when it becomes codified 
in a in a real Supreme Court case, it's a five three decision. So despite the fact that there's not nine judges, five three sets precedent. Yes. There's another case, the immigration case, it's four four. It up it, it blocks the legislation, but it doesn't make a precedent because it's a tie. So yeah. if you had the other justice there, then there'd be the tiebreaker. But in this case, uh, that we're gonna talk about in a little bit, it's five three, and that's precedent, and that's really what happened here. Mm-hmm. It's it's debatable and not really debatable that Freddie Gray even should have been stopped to begin with. And now it's the law. And now he's dead. Right. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's, that's you know, the news that broke today. Obviously, if more comes out about this, you know, we'll talk about it a little more in depth next week. But, uh, you know, I figured we had to bring it up. Also, I think this is a major blow for the uh, prosecution as well because I can't see them trying the other four men involved in the... Um, yeah, in the proceedings. In I the mean, proceedings. well, they're going to try them, um, but I think you know where it's headed, right? Yes. I mean, we talked about it, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. This was the one where you, you look and you, you say, if the driver isn't the one responsible for the guy's head bashing into the fucking back of a van... Then nobody's going to be held accountable. Yeah, because what, what else are you going to prove? Although, uh, I can't think of the, the other cop's name right now, but there is there is one other one who seemed to be... A Bri- no, Brian and Senya. No, he was the um, he was the Sandra Bland cop, I think. But in any event, he, there there is one other guy that has a bit of a history of violence. But but again, right? The, you you lose faith in the fact that there's going to be justice here. Now again, the family got millions of dollars, but is that? It's nice. It's nice to have that, but, but it, doesn't it doesn't bring, bring him back. back. And it does. It's that's not justice. That's um, hush money, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll keep our eye on it, but that's obviously a tough, a tough ruling, and one that I got to disagree with. I, I mean, it's it's farcical to say, well, you need an evidence. What are you going to do? You're going to you're going to tap into the driver's brain and see if he into you know what happened, and you talked about it when we first brought this up with the last trial. They had conversations about rough rides mm-hmm. days before this happened. Yeah, so because what, so, a, everybody was told to use the seatbelt, right? To strap them in, and they didn't even bother. Right, and why would you bring that up? Because it's not happening, or because that's something that we've dealt with a few times and we're having a, a problem with it? Clearly, that's the case. All right, so that's, you know, that's t- t- hard to deal with off the top of the show, and, y- you know, I, 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 you know, you got to assume the other yeah. cops are not going to go to jail as well, so uh, it seems like justice is not being done, unless you fall on the side of, look, whatever the judge decides, that is what justice is, and there you go. These guys shouldn't be in jail. And it seems that um, Goodson made the right choice on having being a uh, a bench trial but oh, yeah. instead of going to the jury. Yeah, because juries, jurors are sympathetic. You know, it goes contrary to Trump's logic about judges not being, you know, they, they're, they're, they're in a, unable to be non-biased because if you talk about Mexicans and the judge is Mexican, he's obviously going to go against you. The judge has to follow the letter of the law to a T, ideally, mm-hmm. and, and even if he, he, even if the judge in his heart goes, yeah, I know what happened here. They, they, the burden is on the, um, the prosecution, the prosecution to really prove that this is what he intends to do, and they couldn't do it. So. We move on, and, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the trials, but obviously not uh, not very hopeful about what's going to go on there. Julian Assange, Joey, the WikiLeaks founder and editor-in-chief, on Sunday began his fifth year in Ecuador's London embassy. Five years there. That is a quick five years. 
<laughs> for, maybe for, for you, us, but I think Julian Assange is pretty long. Probably debate that. Uh, supporters like Brian Eno, Patty Smith, Noam Chomsky, Ai Weiwei, Michael Moore, and Ken Loach participated in events celebrating whistleblowers on Sunday to, you know, keep awareness out mm-hmm. there about his fifth year in um, really illegal confinement. I mean, there, there's no reason that he should be trapped there. He spends most of his time in a 15 foot by 13 foot room. Uh, mostly on the computer. Yeah, That's what he's sucks. doing there. Uh, he suffered a lot of health issues. He's got asthma now, you know, he, and he's just trapped there when really he he should just be in Ecuador or just be a free man. Or if Sweden would promise, come back to face the charges that we've, you know, have pending against you, but we won't extradite you, but they won't do that because we know that a lot of those, you know, the charges are very, very suspect. And it seems like it's just an excuse to get, their hands on him to send him back to America. So as you know, they're after him for the 2010 uh, rape allegation. Yes. When that statute limit is up, do you think he would be in the clear to leave or you think they're still going to somehow try to indict him and bring him back? Yeah, I mean, I think that when is that, when are those? I think it's 2020. Yeah, I mean, that that's the, that's, if I'm him, that's where my eyes are uh, to, to try to get out so of there. So another four years. Yeah, you got to think so. And even then, who knows? But, Yes, I would think that once the once the threat of extradition to Sweden goes away with the charges, um, then then yes, then he has more options. But until then, yeah, I think he's kind of stuck there. Again, I mean, we yelled about Brock Turner two weeks ago. Reading the allegations against Assange, essentially what he's being charged with is waking up in a bed with his the woman that he was sleeping with, mm-hmm. that he was staying with. And so totally consensual. They were in bed together. They slept naked. And what the charge is that he got an erection in the morning and she wasn't consenting to have sex at that point. That's, that's essentially what the charge is. That's a totally different scenario than, and I'm not saying it's okay to just like r- rape someone, but like, you can understand being in precedence bed with was set in, yeah, in of course she already consented right I mean I'm not saying that that necessarily carries over but you but anybody that's been in a relationship or whatever has had a sexual relationship with someone you you can understand what's going on there it's not the same as taking advantage of somebody behind you know behind a dumpster. it's a total it's a totally different situation um so that's essentially what they're trying to get him back into Sweden for and you know you, you know what's going on there it's just to get him back to America so I, you know we've talked about it at length if you'd like to go do a little more research about the charges. Fine, but to me, they're not something that... They're frivolous. Yes, uh, exactly. So anyway, five years. He's starting right now in uh, in the Ecuadorian embassy. Meanwhile, all the money and taxpayer money that's being spent on surveillance, which we've talked about yep. in London, um, you know, they're spending millions of dollars a year to keep a guy who is really, tr- you know, trying to shine light on a lot of different things that, that our governments are doing in secret that, that as a global citizen, he believes should be out there. Uh, and I believe that, I mean, as the press, when they have information that is in the public interest, and especially if we're talking about democracies, all things that the government is doing is in the public interest. Cause we elect those people mm-hmm. and they pick the people that run everything. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's fighting for that. And I think that's crucial. I also read today, which I didn't have time to like, uh, you know, I figured we don't have time to put into this rundown, but I I have it on my radar for next week. Mm -hmm. Um, They released more of those Hillary Clinton emails. And there's one really damning one that Hillary Clinton severely pushed for the United States to 
uh, go after Assad in Syria to to have regime change in order to keep Israel safe. That was like hmm. her big push, and that's uh, man, that's that's a very questionable rationale. So I don't want to get too far into that, but that's yeah. just something that's on the radar, and I'll, I'll look into it. But Hillary, once again, Hillary Clinton is hawkish, and she is not not the dove that uh, Bernie Sanders would be in office. Certainly not. So you know, people that want to compare Trump to Hillary. Um, certainly militarily, I think you're, I think Hillary knows more about what's going on, but I think she also understands the power that the United States wields and she has a bit of an agenda as well. And how to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I think you're looking at the possibility of war, whoever gets into office, you know? So that's a shame. Well, it's a shame, but that's why she is going to be the president. You know what yeah. I mean? I think she, she, she knows how to wield that power and she wants to wield that power. Um, we'll see more than happens. anything. Too. I think so. I think so. Hillary Clinton, really, I mean, she can say she did all the good in the world, you know, I, I, the, the Children's Defense Fund and all that stuff. And yes, of course, there's good things that she's done in her career. I think it is, it is power, though, that is attractive to her. And that's the same thing with Trump. So we yeah. can, you know, I'm not comparing, I'd much rather, you know, if I really had gun to my head, yes, I'd rather Hillary be the president over Trump for sure. But I'd rather neither one of them be president. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather not be the case, but okay. Fallujah, Joey. This mm-hmm. is the uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The battle for Fallujah. Um, Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al Abadi declared victory over ISIS last Friday when U.S.-backed Iraqi troops reached the center of Fallujah. But government-run camps have continued to fill with people fleeing the city, fearing shootings, suicide bombs, and mortar attacks, which continue. We're talking about 82,000 people so far have left the city uh, with, let's say, 25,000 more likely to leave the city. And I have a quote in a second, but give me your thoughts on that. You want to know something? I think it's the exact opposite of victory. Well, I mean, please, it's a little premature to do that. They're going to have to go into Mosul. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's not by any means something where they've now secured the city and ISIS is defeated. That's that's not the case. That's a premature thing. And especially when you're talking 100,000 people that live in Fallujah leaving and the suicide bombs and mortar attacks, is that yeah, really a win? No, not at all. And also, not to mention that 3.4 million people across, you know, Iraq have been displaced from this. Oh, absolutely, and and who do you th- and do you really think the Iraqi government, which is cash strapped and they're, they're they're facing a lot of problems, are they going to be able to take care of these people? No, no. you created another huge humanitarian crisis, um, and again, it becomes a breeding ground for resentment, even against your own country. You know, yes. it, it's a bad situation. The one thing that I found interesting, though, is that um, that there's been a lot of looking to the religious networks for support for the people who've been misplaced Mm. so that's fantastic at least there is a community trying to help it is it's 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 funny i like that you said fantastic it's it's good that people are going to be helped Mm -hmm. the problem is and what have we seen across the middle east when people find religion as their only sanctuary and the thing that they should trust above all else man, you could turn on that coin very quickly and then you could take it way too seriously and who knows where that... I'm not I'm not saying that like automatically they're just going to become... But but people that are in a bad situation, they see killings, they don't mm-hmm. have a steady life, they don't have a good education necessarily because they're traveling around. But 
my God is there for me. You know what I mean? Yep. And that you can very easily manipulate people who, who have a lack of education or whatever it is, just people that are in an unstable situation. It's not that they're bad. It's not that they're stupid, but people can be manipulated very easily. And so that's something you got to worry about. Too. And, and also there's been a lot of studies that at um, people's most weakest states, they're more, um, more inclined to go towards an, uh, Go towards religion too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, look, I mean, that's cult, that's cult behavior. Separate the person from their family, separate them from society. There are already people that are sort of vulnerable in that sense. And then if you get a a a big a leader, a figurehead, somebody who's charismatic, it's very enticing. Um, and then on top of that, you factor in, well, this is God. I mean, he this is his word. He says to do this. So have faith in that. Mm -hmm. Believe in that. That's what you should do. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and that's, that's of course, what you're going to worry about. And we should be even more worried about, because we're going to get into the climate thing in a few seconds, mm -hmm. to be worried about that because way more people are going to be displaced from, um, you know, lack of water, lack of food, lack, you know, too hot. It, fires. Fires, absolutely, which we're going to talk about. Um, way more people are going to be displaced by that than war. Now the and war w will become exponentially uh, uh, more available. Is not the right phrase I'm trying to say, but but wars will occur more frequently yes. because of this displacement, conflicts. Who knows what's going to happen? Now, the other point that was raised is that a lot of the Islamic militants might be hiding among the civilians. Well, do you really see yeah. that as a? As happening because well, I where, don't. Where did you? Well, where did you hear that? I mean, not hear that, but obviously, where do you have the article that you were talking about there? Yeah, I would have to take a look. If okay, you give me a second. Yeah, I mean, that's look. I think that stuff is incredibly overblown. I think that comes up when we talk about Syrian refugees. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of the conversation that they're, you know, that they're somehow hiding amongst the people. And look, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess that that makes sense. I understand that as a potential. Um, possibility but it's also look at the way that refugees are treated there's way easier ways for isis or different people that are trying to do harm or, or whatever terrorists to go than to live in a fucking refugee camp for years not getting food not getting water mm -hmm. they're just stuck out in the middle of the goddamn desert people are, are dying that way um yeah they could probably just find an easier way into the country i don't think they need to hide amongst those populations because they have resources Terrorist groups have money. They're, they're finding a way to extract money from the refugees themselves, and then yeah. they can use that. So, yeah, obviously anything's possible, but I think that that is way overblown. And it's illogical, again, because there's better options for terrorists. They can do better planning. These people that are fleeing Fallujah are taking their their belongings, whatever they have. If they have any to bring. If they have any, if they have time to do that. And they're, get, they're getting the fuck out of Dodge because they don't want to get uh, blown up in a suicide attack, you know? Yeah. And then, then they're just stuck in tents in the middle of the Iraqi desert for years on end. That's not exactly where ISIS fighters who get paid pretty well, um, they don't have to do that. Why would they bother? Yeah, it's true. Get killed on a boat uh, on the way to Greece or something? There's, there's no way. There's way easier ways for them to, to travel. So, no, I think that's that's sort of a... I think that's a straw man argument that, that gets okay. put out there, but it's just fodder and there's nothing you do to prove it. It's just like fear, speculation. Like, uh, you know, I, I just don't think it's a big problem. Let me, let's, uh, you got anything else to say about this? No. Lisa Grande, uh, who's a UN humanitarian coordinator for Iraq, which by the way, must be a stressful fucking job. Uh, she has to say, People have run and walked for days. They left Fallujah with nothing. They have nothing and they need 
everything. So that's, right, that sums it up. It sums it up uh, quite nicely. Um, that's the situation. So we'll keep our eye on it. But again, it's always the people that have nothing really to do with the conflict. That, that suffer the that most. That suffer the most. Absolutely. All right. Good transition into climate change and oil drilling. Now, like I mentioned, there's a few things that I saved up here. Um, you know, that will as we'll break this down, but I think there's a few things that tie in together and then sort of a philosophical thing that we can get to at the end a little bit, Joe. Oh, nice. Uh, on Sunday, several single day temperature records were set across the Southwest, mostly in Arizona. There were some records set. Yuma, Arizona hit 120 degrees on Sunday in June. Yeah, 120 degrees. Mm -hmm. Phoenix, 118. Tucson, 115. Burbank, California hit 109 degrees. And Palm Springs hit 119 degrees. Nice. Think about that. That's going to become the absolute norm. You're not going to be able to get below 100 degrees. It's just going to keep getting hotter. That's baking to death temperature. If your air conditioning goes out, if there's a power grid failure, elderly people, children, this becomes an emergency. You're not going to be able to go to school. People are not going to be able to go to work. The air conditioning is going to be running so much that the grids are going to go down. It creates massive systemic problems. And the five-year drought that's taking place in California has made California a tinderbox, like you alluded to before. Two wildfires are raging out of control in the national forest on the outskirts of Los Angeles. Maria Holguin has to say this about the situation. They haven't merged as of yet, but they're being handled as one fire. They are 0% contained. That's good. Zero. Zero. I've actually never heard anyone ever say that before. Yeah, that, that this is zero percent. Yeah, we, uh, we don't have a grasp on this whatsoever. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, it also intensifies the more wildfires that are out there, more um, smoke, more ash goes into the atmosphere. And it sounds stupid if you're not willing to wrap your head around it. But the reality is the more ash that is in the air, what color is ash? Black. It will eventually get to Arctic regions of this world. When it gets up there, it gets onto the snow, and that absorbs light, which further increases the amount that the glaciers are melting, that all the snow cover is melting, which increases the water. You know, it just, it, and then it makes the planet hotter. That's not bullshit. That's a real thing. It sounds silly, but like, what are we not connected to the same air, the same water? It's all yeah. the same. Um, and that's a legitimate concern. That sucks. Well, it doesn't just suck. It's it, that's the thing with climate change and why it's such an insidious problem. The more that it, it, it the more that it happens, and the less we do about it, it the worse keep, it's going to get. Yeah, the worse it gets. It intensifies the cycle of everything because it is all interconnected. And I think that's a huge thing that that people just ignore. Um, we're all made of the same atoms and the same carbon and the same material as everything else in the universe. And it's insane to think that that everything on the planet isn't interconnected in some way. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. Yeah. And that's like classic, you know, Eastern philosophy type of stuff that we, the, the oneness, the idea of like, we all came from the same, uh, you know, like we're, we're as interconnected with the stars as we are with our friends and our family, because we're all made of the same stuff from the big bang. You know? Yes. But that's lost on a lot of people, Chris. I, I completely agree. Uh, you know what? Why don't we sk- here? We'll go back to the oil drilling stuff, but let's skip ahead to the end of it. Cause now we're kind of on it. The night sky, Joey yes. is vanishing. According to a new science advances study, the Milky Way is no longer visible to a third of humanity. 60% of Europeans, 
80% of Americans. In many places in the U.S., fewer than 100 stars are visible to the naked eye. That's 100 visible out of, let's say, 300 billion stars mm-hmm. that are in our galaxy. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? Because do, do you think that factors into why we've sort of lost our way? I think people feel disconnected um, from society at large, from the earth, why we don't acknowledge that we have any kind of control over what goes on, not control, but we, we have a, we have a, we factor into what's going on in this planet, obviously as the dominant force on the planet. Do you think that that factors into the fact that we can't see that we are really just on this amazing fertile rock that if not for chance, we wouldn't even get a chance to be on. We could easily, you know, Everything could be Jupiter and not Earth, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, see, the interesting thing about that is that it makes the world even smaller because you can't see what's actually out there, how vast, how big the world is. You're just, it, it really just brings it down to we're on the planet and that's it. There's like nothing else, which isn't the case. No, it's so, it's so, we're so monumentally small in the in the cosmic scope of things. But in that, like I was just saying, we're made of stars. That is the reality. Like we are part of all that stuff that is out there. And when you can't see it, you can't have a reverence for it. And you can't understand that everybody else on the planet is seeing the same stars as you. We're all part of this galaxy that God knows could be the head of a pin in another galaxy in another galaxy. Like you lose sight of that and you can see a hundred stars ahead of you and you can watch your TV and you can put your head down. And that's, that's the disconnect. And so it's very easy for people to go, well, climate, I mean, we don't have any control over that. No, of course we do, because we're a part of this environment. We're part of this ecosystem, and this ecosystem is all we have, mm. because look at the vastness out there. We can't touch any of that stuff. Uh, it kind of makes me think of the, uh, the scene uh, from Men in Black, when it starts with the, mo- the, uh, the marble, and it just keeps on expanding, expanding, expanding. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Absolutely. Well, and, and let me tell you this. I mean, my cousin uh, got married on Block Island uh, off the coast of Rhode Island a couple of years ago. And man, at night, the light pollution is not the same as it is when you're in the city or uh-huh. even in New Jersey where we grew up. It's like I, I was fascinated by just standing at – you can just stare at the stars all night. It's it's unbelievable. You can really see the like ribbon of the yeah. Milky Way when you're away from light pollution like that. It's beautiful it's amazing i mean i'll stare at the the full moon sometimes like that's a that is a thing out there in space yeah okay we're in space if you were standing on the moon you'd be seeing us the same way and you'd be like what the fuck is on that planet and and you lose when you lose that connection you're really um you're denying what it is to be human you're denying what it is to be an earthling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd love to get to that point where it's not fucking Mexicans and Arabs and the American. Like, no, we're earthlings. Yes. That's what we all are. Well, the other thing that comes to mind, too, when we talk about uh, light pollution is how much we're actually wasted. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's I, I was going to go there, then I lost yeah. my train of thought. Yeah, talk, talk about it. Well, apparently, it's an estimated 50, 58.6 billion to 179.2 billion wasted just by the misuse of the light right because if right exactly because we assume that we can't get around without our our power grid and our our electric and all our lights and stuff like that but actually if you used it smarter and turned select places off you'd actually get more light from the moon and the stars and the night sky it's very bright i mean on a full moon night 
you can see in front of you. You don't need a street light, but it's just that we've constructed our cities in such a way that denies the, you know, the natural resources, which I consider space and the stars and the planets and the moon and all that stuff. Those are natural resources the same way that uh, water is, you know? And also the major cities and, you know, in various countries all for the most part, are lit up like Christmas trees. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the light pollution is coming from. Right. Well, and there's a, there's a lot of, and I mean, primarily in America, I mean, again, 80% of this country has no, you know, access to see the Milky Way or things like that. You have to travel around and that's becoming a big conversation. The, they're called, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're called like dark, dark zones or something like that, where they're trying to protect spaces where you actually can still see the Milky Way. Um, Which is basically like Arizona and Utah. Yeah, uh, Montana, I think, probably <laughs> has certain places. But right, but you have to get very far away from a city to to be able to to, to see that all the time. But, you know, it also raises questions about, you know, uh, the Egyptians and different things. We're, we're shocked by some of the stuff they created. And how did it line up with all these stars? And how did they do that? Yes, of course, it's a, it's a feat of engineering and math and all that stuff. But they could see it. Yeah, you know why? Why were why were Native Americans and and people that like lived off the land? Why why were they so connected to the land? Because they understood the relationship between the sky and the the earth and all that stuff. They they were very much connected to that as part of it, not as something that takes dominion over it. Which again, I think is a religious concept. How how? But don't you think people would be more? spiritual if not religious by being able to connect with the fucking heavens that you're always talking about like possibly but i think what we did as human beings we right after the industrial revolution yeah we uh decided that we're gonna let technology and science be the catalyst for everything and we've kind of lost that nature inside of us no doubt and that's and that's why do you think people are depressed again we've built this whole thing out of step with our own nature and our own character like in again in my my wildest imagination nobody has a job um the the machines are able to keep everything running we have an unlimited uh power and kind of resources that we can spread around and people live in smaller cities that have solar panels and things like that. And, and maybe we do like, you know, man, labor jobs during the day or whatever, harvesting. We live in these sort of super advanced agrarian societies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, I, I, okay, maybe it's a fantasy, but I think reconnecting with what, we, what we've grown to be is the thing that's going to save our culture and save our society and save ourselves as human beings. Because like you said, we've relied so heavily on technology. It's a, it's, interconnected to all of us eventually it's going to start to be implanted into our physical bodies i mean that's really something that's going to happen and what if the technology is the next step of evolution and we're just these fucking ants along the journey and all we're supposed to do is give the 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 machines the ability to take over and bye-bye humans with we're, we're we're gonna go the way of the dodo bird you know yeah or I, the neanderthal or whatever it is i really don't want to think about that uh, right you, now. Uh, <laughs> no of course but but you know i mean that's that's a that's a possibility yes, what, is. what is the drive to do that it it's almost like the technology is willing us to do it it's not only that too, but it's the uh, we rely too much on the economic system to, I guess, pass our time. Sure, I mean we were, yeah. So it's just not the technology; it's also the fact of consumption, really. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, but that, but I think those are, I think those are issues of 
spirituality almost. I mean, it's 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 not maintaining a reverence for things that are and have always been and will be long after we're gone. It's worshiping and paying more attention to the the temporary um, fleeting things of TV shows or, or whatever it is or money, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But these are things, I mean, money's paper. It's just a concept. If all the money in the world just disappeared one day and everybody that knew what money was forgot about money, like... That literally doesn't exist anymore, but you're not going to forget that the moon is there because it's always going to be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that thing, that thing, and not always, but you know, it's like, it's way more um, permanent than any of the, the, the ideas, the books, shit like that. Like that's not really real stuff. What is real is the connection between where we are and what exists out there. And you know, we've lost a lot of, we've lost sight of that. Yes, so it's an interesting thing. Now going back to, the oil drilling part of this, which you know, I think uh, obviously is a big driver in climate change and, and all this stuff. About a month ago, the Financial Times published an editorial warning that the oil industry has to, f- quote, face a future of slow and steady decline. No, they're not going to like hearing that. They're not going to like hearing that. This is the quote from the Financial Times editorial. It says, instead of railing against climate policies or paying them lip service while quietly defying them with investment decisions, the oil companies will serve their investors and society better if they accept the limits they face and embrace a future of long-term decline. Rather than investing in potentially str- uh, stranded oil and gas products or gambling on new technologies that they do not fully understand, the oil companies would do better to continue returning money to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. See, my overall problem with this is oil is finite. There's only so much of it. Absolutely. Well, wouldn't, that's what they're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't you just come to the logic conclusion that we can't make money off this thing forever? And, and not if you can suck that teat for you know a couple more decades and really like wring the well dry until then you then you can transfer to a different idea. Um, yeah, I mean, the, but the, the, I was going to say the Financial Times, that's, they're not a, le- you know, a left-wing tree-hugging organization. I mean, it's the no. Financial Times. That's, it's that's telling. important. Yes, it's very telling, and they don't write a lot of editorials. Rupert Murdoch, piece of shit, who owns the <laughs> Wall Street Journal. That's how you feel. I really, that's a guy who is not, he is a negative influence on the world. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Last year after the Paris Climate Summit in the Wall Street Journal editorial, this is what it said. Forgive us for looking through the legacy of smoke, but if climate change really does imperil the earth, and we doubt it does, nothing coming out of a gaggle of governments in the United Nations will save it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 13 or 14 different nations and the United Nations um, can't do anything. You're right. You want to know whoever wrote that is so disconnected from humanity, it's not even funny. Yeah, well, the oil industry wrote it. Yeah. You know, it's somebody that, like, again, we talk about this all the time. The moneyed interest and the people that are make, getting rich off of oil, they don't really have to worry about the effects of climate change yet. I mean, it would be a decades and hundreds of years before they really have to worry about it because they can move around. They're insulated from this shit. They're not in low-lying coastal areas that are just going to get washed away, lives and, and infrastructure and all this stuff. They or don't they just care. hop in a helicopter and go someplace Yeah, or they now. get on their fucking uh, boat or they get on their yacht. What, what do they care? Oh, water level's rising. Great. We can fucking boat yacht all around the world. Like, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I'm painting a bit of a, a, a hyperbolic picture there but you know but it's but it really is the truth though they're not going to be affected the same way that poor regions will be affected it's just not the case um all right i think that's about it i have for the uh oh actually no you know what i'm lying okay so according to a greenpeace 
uh, study, the Obama administration's proposed expansion of oil and gas drilling in the Arctic Ocean and Gulf of Mexico, which, by the way, the Arctic Ocean, again, if you're drilling up there and you've got all this machinery, what do you think is going out to the air? It's black soot. It's different uh, pollution. That's only going to in- increase the speed at which light is absorbed into the so- into the ice, you know? Well, also, the other thing, too, is if you're using all that machinery, I'm pretty sure it's going to weigh raise the temperatures as well, so you're going to even have more mountain of the oh, glaciers. No doubt about it, of course. Uh, that drilling in the Arctic Ocean and the Gulf of Mexico will cost more than the oil is worth, likely. The cost should be somewhere between 58.6 and $179 billion in terms of infrastructure costs, um, different cl- climate impacts that it'll it'll effect the same way we talk about flint you know where they yes. were like oh let's switch to the shitty river for a million we'll save a million dollars oh and then when all the impact comes oh now it's going to cost us a billion dollars to fix all this shit it's the same idea it's penny wise it's uh penny wise and dollar foolish that's really what they're doing do you know what i really can't wait to see in the future when we have these supercomputers the algorithms that they can or come- when the supercomputers have us dun 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 Dun, dun, dun. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm really interested in to see how how like algorithms are going to be written about what is cost productive or cost efficient. Right. Because I feel that the way we live a, a lot of our lives today, it's not really cost effective. No, it's but the, again the byproducts of a lot of this stuff far out the, the cost of them far outweigh these unforeseen potentially unforeseen byproducts will far outweigh the 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 good that is done in the world sure in short-term profit yes there's a lot of money to be made but but at what cost really at what yeah. at what cost we're not factoring it in the five-year program that the obama administration that we're talking about here uh will be 850 million metric tons of co2 into the air which is equivalent to 3.6 million cars over 50 years condensed into a five-year program that they're working on here that's what we're talking about so, so they're trying to cut that out from well, this From is being into the atmosphere. Well, no, that's what will go into the atmosphere. Greenpeace is estimating if this plan goes through as it's fully, um, you know, planned out. Oh, okay. So that's a huge impact on the environment, and you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I got to assume if Obama's doing it, Hillary's not going to stop it. She's already talked about that she's going to continue the Obama legacy. Okay, so you know where that's going, and then God knows if Trump gets in there or whatever. But we're talking 10, 15, 20 years down the road. If if we're just going to keep putting in these corporate candidates, the Democrats are only slightly better than the Republicans in in, in a lot of these areas. Um, they're going to keep selling out to the oil industry and the gas industry and the energy industry, and and the problem is just going to keep compounding. May I go off the cuff for a second and just ask you something? Oh, please, Joe, yeah. Um, I think a great point to be made would be to ask, who does that oil actually belong to? <laughs> Mother Gaia? No, it's just that it shouldn't belong to one corporation because they happen to have the machinery to access it. Should it be? Should it belong to the country that the oil lies within? Mm-hmm. Should it belong to the citizens of that country who happen to be living there? Right. Should it actually be owned by all of us? Sure. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and that's that's the dirty secret. I think that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, America abuses the world's resources. I mean, we we use the world's resources far more than anybody else in the world. Yeah, I mean, 
really, if you're doing it in the fairest way and you're doing it in a way that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's 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 a natural resource that belongs to all of us. Just because you happen to be above that patch of dirt, you control it. I mean, I can understand that logic, but then how is America even doing any of that? That's why we have these devil's bargains with a lot of these countries, Saudi Arabia, whatever OPEC nations that we shouldn't be dealing with really because of their human rights violations. Mm -hmm. And supposedly, you know, we stand against a lot of what they're doing in terms of democracy and all this stuff. Um, but right, but we well, get as long as the bills are paid, it's all good and dandy. Ab- absolutely, and and I think a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, right. I mean, from a purely objective point of view, it's a natural resource, and we should all um, have access to it mm-hmm. equally. I, you know, I, I get that there are there's going to be winners and losers, kind of, when we're talking about a capitalist economy globally. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting question, right? And the question really should be, should we even be doing this at all? If we know that there's other alternatives, if we all just agree tomorrow, let's do something else, we could do it. But we're allowing these these corporate entities throughout the world to really dictate policy for billions of people. And that's a that's a scary thing. When you're putting, again, an artificial thing, money, I, I, I'm not saying we should do away with money, whatever. But it is an artificial thing at mm-hmm. the end of the day, because if you don't have it and water becomes scarce, you're going to want water way more than you're going to want a dollar bill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, plain and simple. The resources are really what, uh, you know, what, what we all need. So yes. anyway, that's it. That's it. All right. Let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's yeah. take a quick break. We're going to okay. get into the Supreme Court decision. We'll do an Orlando update and we'll close with the 2016 update. Uh, you guys are about to hear a promo for UFC Unfiltered, which is a new podcast that this is the first time I'm going to say this, actually. Wait, uh, wait, I'm sorry. Don't mean to cut you off, but did you actually say the Kim Kardashian tweets? That's that's coming up in the Orlando update. Don't you oh, worry oh, about okay, it. No, I got okay. it. I got it. You got it? Down. All right. What I was going to say was UFC Unfiltered is a new podcast. You're going to hear a promo for that. First time I'm actually saying this like on one of the podcasts or anything, but I'm producing that podcast, which I'm very proud of and very excited about. Uh, so anybody that's listening to this that likes uh, MMA, likes UFC, it's hosted by Jim Norton and Matt Serra. It's a great show. I'm having a great time working on it. It's off to a really good start. Uh, CM Punk and The Rock are on the most recent episode. Ooh. Dana White was on the first one. So uh, just know when you're listening to that, your boy Man Stamp over here is uh, sitting behind the uh, the computer and the I'm doing all the rundowns Mike. and all that stuff. So I'm involved in it. I'm really happy to be involved in it. It's very exciting. And uh, listen to the promo right now. Hey guys, it's Jim Norton. I'm Matt Sarah! I made that up. Matt's not here. He's out hanging out with Dana while I'm in the fucking hot studio in New York. He's gallivanting. We're hosting the new UFC podcast, UFC Unfiltered. It's going to come out every Tuesday and Thursday. And pretty much we're going to be talking about the upcoming fights, the fights that have just passed, and interview fighters, get the exclusive on certain things. We're going to talk a lot of UFC, MMA in general, and a lot of other stuff, whatever we're really fully talking about. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else podcasts are. I don't know where you get your podcast. It's not my business. Just tune in so Matt and I don't get fired. All right, Joey, you ready to get into this Supreme Court ruling that I think is pretty influential? Uh, came down the last day or two? Yeah, it's always nice when they set precedents in a way we don't like it. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, on Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court voted 5-3 in favor of a, excuse me, Jesus Christ, polar seltzer, watermelon margarita. It's a real nice special summer flavor. Mm. Um, I'm, I apologize to whoever it was on Twitter, but they sent me a, a nice tweet of them drinking some 
Polar Seltzer, and they're like, we poured up. And I was like, "That you made the right choice. <laughs> Tag Polar Seltzer in that. Really appreciate it. Love to get Polar Seltzer on board as a sponsor one day because uh, it would save me thousands of dollars a week. Polar Seltzer, go get some. All right. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court voted 5-3 in favor of a cop who spied on a defendant, Joseph Strife, after receiving an anonymous tip about drug activity. Hmm. The cop stopped Strife ran a name check on him, revealing an outstanding warrant. Subsequently, they arrested him and searched him. They found methamphetamine on him. Uh, You understand the situation? Yes. Essentially, the question is, should the meth discovery or the illegal thing outweigh the lack of reasonable suspicion required for a legal stop? The court ruled and set precedent. Yes, the meth trumps his Fourth Amendment rights Un, un, unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, meth is terrible. This guy, we suspected him. We'll break the law. We'll stop him. We'll run his thing. And now we can get the meth off him. So they're saying, yeah, any evidence that is derived even from an illegal stop is actually more important than the fact that this guy's rights were violated, which is a shelling of the Fourth Amendment. Yes, it, it's actually huge. Uh, the fact that there was a warrant out for his arrest is is what really screwed him over. Absolutely. And okay, so now that, now that you brought that up, before I read some quotes, because yeah. I have Sonia Sotomayor's dissent, which I think was a strong and, and correct dissent. For example, in Ferguson, Missouri, where we know there's a lot of protests, a lot of unrest after the um, uh, Michael Brown situation, mm-hmm. 16,000 of 21,000 residents mm-hmm. had outstanding warrants as of last year. That's so you, a lot of money that the state hasn't got yet. Well, right. But on top of that, because of this ruling, let's say the number is 15,000. Okay. 15,000 people now are essentially walking around with a time bomb unless they pay the warrant, but maybe they don't have the money to do it or they don't even uh-huh. know. They forgot, whatever the case may be. Um, they're walking around now. If they get any suspicion, anything at all, we know that this these communities have been targeted by infrared helicopters that have been flown over them during the protests and all this stuff. So they have a lot of information on these people. You don't even need a tip then at a certain point. You know Joe McGinnis or whatever that's walking around in Ferguson, Missouri. You you go, eh, you know what? We could stop this guy. You search him because you ran a warrant. Now you know he's got a, a warrant out. Uh, n- now you have him. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible, terrible precedent. Obviously, I don't think that somebody with a pocket full of meth um, they they should be allowed to get away with that pocket full of meth unless you catch them buying it or doing something illegal. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. man, you've just really opened the door wide open for police to basically do whatever they want in this country. If there's even the hint of suspicion, they can just lie. They're going to say somebody said you did something. Uh, let me see your pockets. I yeah. Also, I'm shocked more that the, the whole we're just going to put his name in a database thing is, is allowed. What do you mean? Well, oh, like the warrant system, you're saying? No, the the fact that they saw him walking and just threw his name into a uh, a database to check. Well, it. that's the point, right? That's the problem. Just because. So if so, for example, I go, I call the police and I go, we got this kid Johnny here. I, I don't know. It seems like he's up to something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but he. I, I don't know. He, I think. I think he's got something going on there. I think he might have a prostitution ring out of his house. Okay. okay? That's just me speculating. And Johnny, you can comment on that. You you do actually have a prostitution ring in your house, though, right? Yeah, and anyone who wants to, uh, you know. <laughs> 
book anyone who wants to make a booking just talk to chris after the show. <laughs> just call me at five 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 big tits and johnny will hook yeah. you up uh no but you know like okay so right so i do that i call yes. the cops now they show up around johnny's neighborhood they see him walking around they go they now they have reason to stop him supposedly because i tipped them off even though he hasn't done anything even though he hasn't done anything there's no proof of that same way there's no technical proof of the rough ride except the dead uh kid dead in the body. back right so they stop him they run his thing. They go, oh, this son of a bitch had a parking ticket from 2013. He forgot to pay it. There's a warrant out for his arrest. Now let's search him. They search him. Johnny forgets he bought a dime bag or something. It's in his shoe. Now he's going to jail. All because of a random tip. They're illegally searching him. There's absolutely no reason to do this. It's a very bad situation. And now the Supreme Court has said, that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. I dropped my pen. <laughs> <laughs> the decision was 5-3 Thomas Alito Roberts Kennedy Breyer along um, party lines upheld this they, 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 they provided the opinion here the dissent was Sotomayor Kagan and Ginsburg uh, opposing this Clarence Thomas says while officer F- uh, Fackrell who's the guy that the, was the cop in the mm-hmm. case deci- while officer Fackrell's decision to initiate the stop was mistaken, his conduct thereafter was lawful. Oh, that makes everything okay. It's such tor- It's such tortured idiot logic. Mm-hmm. Again, the ends are justifying the means, which is silly because the means is what we have the laws about. Yeah. Right? Sonia Sotomayor in the dissent said, the court today holds that the... Dis- this, is a very, this is a very strong language. I, I like the way she wrote this. The court today holds that the discovery of a warrant for an unpaid parking ticket will forgive a police officer's violation of your Fourth Amendment rights. Do not be soothed by the opinion's technical language. This case allows the police to stop you on the street, demand your identification, and check it for outstanding traffic warrants, even if you are doing nothing wrong. If the officer discovers a warrant for a fine you forgot to pay, courts will now excuse the illegal stop and will admit into evidence anything he happens to find by searching you after arresting you after arresting you on the warrant. Because the Fourth Amendment should prohibit, not permit such misconduct, I dissent. The re- you know the other reason I brought up this the the Ferguson situation. Mm-hmm. Ferguson, Missouri is a majority black city. We already know that that's uh, there's a strained relationship, to say the least, between communities of color and the police. Now you've just given them even more of a reason to stop, search your shit, get involved in your life. When, you know, these are minor, minor crimes. And again, is it even a crime for you to do meth? Should it really be? It's not good for you. Nobody's suggesting that you, you make meth a part of your diet. But like, if you're choosing to do it, that's a personal choice. It's really not hurting anybody. We have laws against hurting people. If you're just yes. doing something to yourself, I really don't think that should be criminal. But now we're saying that not only is it criminal, it justifies doing anything yeah. to get you into jail because of that thing that's not hurting anyone else. It's very, uh, it's it's crazy. And especially when you talk about the surveillance that's taking place. Because then you have suspicion. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you're in a situation, like Freddie Gray, he ran. That was enough. Yes. It's not enough, but... It didn't end up mattering. Same thing here. What if what if you're surveilling a city, which we know happens, and especially in areas where there's lower income, crime, we tend to focus on that and we try to keep our eye on all aspects of that society. What if you misconstrue what is happening in a given situation? Uh, they're playing hide and seek, but you see somebody for whatever reason hiding behind something or whatever, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's got a gun. You're just making an assumption. You go, oh, there's something, something's going on here. They're going to they're gonna rob this store. Whatever it is. 
Now you have that. Now, now it's okay to go do it, assuming that you're going to find something. And you will. And you might, because in a bad neighborhood, you think people probably don't carry things around for protection or whatever. Like you're again, you're criminalizing living in a poor neighborhood. You're criminalizing being black in certain senses. And you're also criminalizing being white in certain circumstances. You know what I mean? But mm. it's, it's really not a good situation. The thing that I found interesting about this case uh-huh. more than her dissent okay. is the fact that Justice Stephen Bayer, Breyer, Breyer, thank you, joined with the four conservative judges right. in this case. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know, because the evidence apparently, you know, he the way that he interpreted it was not in a way that he could... Um, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Breyer. Yeah, I must have misspoke. Yeah, he was appointed by Clinton. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, right. He joined with them. Kennedy's usually the swing vote. He was appointed by Reagan, but he's been the one that would side with either side, essentially. Yeah, yeah it's surprising that Breyer... I don't know. I didn't read his uh, his opinion on that, but I don't know. I mean, it's just the way that he interpreted it. I guess I guess he he agrees with them, but I, but I disagree with him on that. Because I would have assumed a judge who was more liberal would be totally against this. Don't confuse. Don't confuse um, the appointing president with their policy necessarily. They're justices, and there's a re- you know they are the supreme judge. They've they're very you know studied in law. They they're brilliant legal minds. That's why they're there, and they're very, extremely insulated. For the most part, I mean, obviously, you could look at people like Scalia and Thomas. They're extremely conservative, but I think that's religious more than it is, um, po- you know, politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to make their they're going to make their calls the way that they see it. Yes, it tends to go, uh, you know, along party lines for the most part, but sometimes that this happens. I mean, wh- uh, what's his face, um, John Roberts, a Bush appointee, W. Bush. Um, sided with with the 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 democratically appointed um justices on obamacare and a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff gay marriage and all that thing you know people hate him for it but okay that's how he interpreted it we can bitch and moan there's nothing we're gonna do about it now until another case comes along potentially but you know this is precedent now so we'll see what happens but i don't know i can't speak to it i'd have to read his uh his opinion mm-hmm. um all right. The the other thing that I wanted to put out there really quickly, I, you know, it kind of happened as I was coming in today, so I didn't really write a ton about it. The the court also blocked Obama's immigration plan for Ooh. like five six million uh, illegal immigrants in this country, where he was not giving them amnesty, but he was essentially being like, "We're not going to deport you because you didn't commit a crime," and there's a whole process here uh, that was blocked. So now there's a bunch of people that are in limbo. They're back into the possibility of being deported at any minute. You know. There's a real problem there. It was 4-4, so that's deadlock. Precedent isn't set, but nothing can get done until another court case comes to be. If there was nine justices, something would have been done in this situation, but now it's 4-4. Can't can't allow it to continue, but it also doesn't set precedent that it can't continue in the future because mm-hmm. it's a tie. So that's again the what, you know, what what is concerning about only having eight justices, and it also Puts, shines a much brighter light on a guy like Donald Trump because if Donald Trump's in there, he appoints the next Supreme Court justice. And Ooh. which way do you think they're going to rule on illegal immigrants in that case? You think they're going to keep them? Something about a wall comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be deport them and build a wall. Right. So that you know puts that in stark relief, obviously. It's an important thing to talk about. Um, all right. We'll keep our eye on all this stuff. 
Oh, let's do an Orlando update mm-hmm. and a little bit of the gun control stuff. Kiss, sweet Kim Kardashian, who I left out of last week's episode by accident, has 46.1 million followers on Twitter, and she tweeted out... How many of those are bots? How dare you, Joey? The support for Kim Kardashian is real. Okay. Uh, she tweeted out four things after Orlando. I'm truly at a loss for words. To everyone in Orlando affected by this massacre, my thoughts, love, and prayers are with you, with a bunch of heart emojis. Mm-hmm. Under now, then she Then she goes in... Under current federal law, people on terror watch lists can legally buy guns. This is called the terror gap. Hmm. Uh, We have repeatedly called on Congress to close this loophole that makes it easy for dangerous people to get guns and kill. Nothing has changed. People continue to uh, senselessly die. When will these gun laws be changed? That's Kim Kardashian. Now, again, people talk a lot of shit about the Kardashians that they don't contribute anything. Be very scared for the day that Kim Kardashian decides... I'm done with the selfies. I'm done with kind of this this poppy stuff that I deal with. And I'm actually going to become politically motivated because I have 45 million people that follow me on Twitter. And if even a tenth of them start listening to me and I start getting politically active, uh, she could sway elections for the rest of her life. Hmm. That's legitimate. She has Wouldn't 50 million. Right? Because elections tend to fall within 5 million votes or something like that. You're only getting 50 million to win. Maybe 47 million go for the loser. So what if Kim Kardashian gets 8 million of the people that follow her to vote the way she wants them to vote? Oh, God. That would be so interesting. It's extremely interesting. And we could pretend, you know, that might never happen. But we know who she's married to. And we know that she's not a dummy. We can, we can act like she's a dummy all, all we want. But she's not. And she has a lot of influence. And God knows Kanye West probably has designs on uh, shaping the world, right? So he, he did say that during the, uh, what was that, the Music Awards? Yeah. It was the Music Awards. So you know what I mean? So it's, it's just an interesting thing. I like to keep my eye 2020, on 2020, yo. Oh, Jesus, Joey. Really, the yo at the end? Sorry. It's like, come on, man. Kanye doesn't even talk like that at all. Uh, I, 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 are you appalled as I am by this, Johnny? I would like to see Kim Kardashian in office just to see. Uh, I, don't know, I think it'd be a good test of the system. Sure. Those hot ass pants she'd really be wearing. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't believe that she should. Uh, I don't think that she's going to run for office anytime soon. No, and I don't think she has to. I think she wields a lot of influence this way. There's a whole generation of, of kids, young women that probably listen to her. If she even once in a while did stuff like this, like, Hey, you know, what's cool science. We should go read a science textbook. Mm-hmm. Like, like she really has a lot more influence. And I think where we tend to dismiss Twitter as like a stupid thing, but 50 fucking million people is a lot of people. And she could really have a lot of influence over them. I don't, I, I don't think most of the, like, I, I wonder what percentage of those followers would actually be on board if she were to do something serious i know she has 50 million followers that doesn't mean that if rihanna were to run for president that people would like eat up everything she says maybe uh, not followers um maybe not but forget run for president okay Uh, not run for president just like do anything in the political realm it's an interesting thing. I mean, I was reading an article on Vice a couple of weeks ago or whatever, maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and it was a bit, it was insane. I don't know why I even read it, but it was about Lauren Conrad. Remember Lauren Conrad from The Hills? Oh, my God. Yeah, Lauren. Uh, uh, who was uh, – Spencer was the best. Yeah, Spencer was, was uh, certainly entertaining. But, uh, but my point being, not to get too far off track, 
she she was doing a book signing at like a you know a mall or something in uh-huh. California, and there was thousands not thousands I mean that's an exaggeration but there was hundreds of people there to to get the book signed by her and she's like a role model for them. If Lauren Conrad <laughs> can get hundreds of people to come out to to to, to you know get her book their book signed or whatever that she wrote, and they look at her as like some kind of inspiration and some kind of role model. Think about the amount of people that Kim Kardashian has that would do the same thing. I'm telling you, man, it, you, you don't believe it, but why, would you believe if t- 10 years ago you were like, so there's going to be this Armenian chick, pretty hot. She doesn't really do a ton. She takes a lot of pictures, and she's going to have 50 million people that follow her, and she's going to have a TV show, and she's going to be rich beyond all imagination. You'd be like, what are you talking about? That's stupid. Well, okay, but that's the case. So it's it, people that look at it and go, well, it's stupid that Kim Kardashian should be able to influence even a small percentage of those people. No, it's not. You want to know what I call that? What? Branding. Well, absolutely. And look at Donald Trump. Think about Donald Trump. Is it? Is it? It's not no less stupid mm-hmm. to think that Kim Kardashian could sway a presidential election than it is to be like Donald Trump's it's a legitimate gonna be president. presidential candidate. Like it's dumber, I think, to think that Trump could be the president than Kim Kardashian could get a percentage of the people that love her uh, to vote her way. And I, I really think that that's you're looking at the same situations. Telling times we live in. God, Johnny's quick, and then we'll move on to the next thing. I don't know. I think at least like with Trump, the whole thing is, oh, I am a businessman. I've done. He's famous for being a businessman. And then people get on board with that idea with Kim Kardashian. I really I really just don't think I think people would wait 10 hours to get a picture with her and have her signed if she were to write a book. I think they would wait all day to get an Instagram post and have her sign her book. I don't think when it comes to her doing anything really serious that a significant amount of those 50 million followers would take her seriously. Maybe. I mean, uh, totally. I mean, it's entirely possible. And I'm not even saying that this is going to be the case, but I don't think it's out of the question. And I also think you got to consider who are the people that are probably most fiercely loyal to her or people that really look up to her as, and let's be honest, a businesswoman at this point, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she's put herself in a position. She's got the apps. We can argue, exactly. We can argue about whether she deserves to be in that position or not. That's fine. I have that argument. But But she she is. She is in that position. And I got to believe that the people that are really fiercely loyal to her and her sisters, don't forget that. I mean, they have influence as well, um, is young, young, people and probably young who girls might be voting yeah who are gonna vote eventually that's the thing they don't think it's silly to look at kim kardashian and go she's a role model for me and in a, in a you know again we're getting on a kim kardashian tangent but we've talked about it she is a pretty good role model body positive good wife good mother runs a business independent minded runs her own you know like what's what what's the problem here so all right Let's move on. But again, uh, I wanted to bring One up last Kim thing. If I yeah, go ahead, please. I just don't see Kim Kardashian being able to command a crowd. I don't think she has those speaking skills that Trump does have. Trump knows how to command a crowd for like maybe. Yeah. maybe. I can't see Kardashian like given like a two hour like at like a two hour rally. I don't know about that, man. I really don't. She could she could certainly afford speech writers. She could certainly get people she that could teach them. her. Is Kim Kardashian, let's look at it okay. this way. Let's put it in this perspective. I, I like where you took it. Is there much of a difference if you, instead of Sarah Palin, if you mm-hmm. replaced Sarah Palin with Kim Kardashian, do you think Kim Kardashian could do just as good a job at speaking and being, you know, somebody out there? Could she do just as good a job as Sarah Palin in that same circumstance? She has I- the same resources as Salem. I think uh, she would Sarah be better. Palin. I think she's smarter than Sarah Palin. Okay. Sarah well, Palin also wasn't successful. 
at the end of the day. But that's my point. Could Kim Kardashian be equally as unsuccessful as being the vice fucking presidential candidate as as Sarah Palin? I think so. And you're right. I think Sarah, I think Kim Kardashian is probably smarter than Sarah Palin. I, I think she goes further, too, if she has the same resources. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And again, there's so many people in this country that looked at Sarah Palin and were like, are you crazy? Like, how, how could you possibly think this person could be vice president? There was a ton of people that legitimately thought she could be. There's people now that think she could be. There's people that think Trump could be. There, there's equal numbers of people that would think Kim Kardashian could be vice president. And just as many as there are that would be like, are you fucking nuts? It's Kim Kardashian. Yeah, but look at the people we've already accepted in that role. All you got to mm-hmm. do is just shift gears a little bit. Trump was on TV two years ago firing Arsenio Hall. Okay? Oh, not he was Hall. testing ice cream that Penn Jillette and uh, I can't think of the other guys, the country Taylor? singers. No, but no, whatever. No, no, but you don't no. understand what I'm saying? And now he's the vice, he's the presidential candidate for the Republican Party. It's not crazy. We live in a, we live in a very strange society. I don't think anything's out of the possibility, especially when you wield that much influence, influence and name recognition, like which is what you're talking about. So, all right, well, I, I'd love to hear what people have to say about that. We'll uh, we'll move on to the next part of this thing. We'll get a little more serious, but but uh, Kim I for stand VP by this. 2020. No, I mean, we don't have to be silly like that. Okay. I would certainly vote for her. Um, but, you know, I think her foreign policy probably is pretty good. She's Armenian. She understands uh, conflict. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Joey, in the notes that I sent to you, yes. I, I attached an article about ISIS's reaction to Omar Mateen and the Orlando shooting. Yeah, And I asked you maybe to, like, look into that a little bit. Why don't you give a little bit of a report on that? Because I think it's, again, he can claim ISIS all he wants. The question is, does ISIS really have anything to do with him? Other than, sure, yeah, he's one of ours. All right. Because people believe that Mateen acted on his own volition of being confused sexually and self-loathing that he committed the, the act in Orlando, I believe that ISIS hoots itself by claiming him as one of their own because ISIS is a huge anti-gay group. Anti-gay group, yeah. Yes. But before you continue, yes, that's absolutely true. Glenn Greenwald and other people have spoken out not spoken out. They've written articles, uh, and people, other people in like the gay community have come out and be, been like, "Why, why are we focusing on the fact, the gay aspect of it, that he might have been this closeted homosexual and all this stuff, uh, when he himself was trying to make ISIS the thing? Like he, he claimed that. You yes. know what I mean? He wanted that to be the motivation, as opposed to the gay thing. But we very much focused on that. I don't necessarily think that's. I don't think that's valid necessarily. I mean, we, we can like read into a lot of stuff, but that's just another point of view where we're like, why, why are we so quick to, to go to the gay thing when he, when the shooter himself wants ISIS to be the case? I'm just putting that out there as something, maybe a little supplemental reading you guys can look into, but I'm just putting it out there. Well, with that, ISIS actually, in this case, it's a win-win for them because at the end of the day, yeah. they could say uh, he was doing it for ISIS and for terrorism. Right. Or... That uh, because it was during Ramadan and he lived a very unholy life, he can redeem himself by committing this atrocity. Yeah, atrocity. Yeah. Well, so absolutely. Now, do you have anything there about how ISIS is reacting to him and, and if there was any connection as far as you're concerned, you know, between They're him just and working on like propaganda videos, but I, I don't have much. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the article uh, that I sent, that's fine. I mean, the, what I sent you. You know, it's been a, a, a long week, so I didn't have time to like delve into this article the way I wanted to. But essentially, ISIS claimed him 
you know, they were willing to be like, sure, yeah, he was one of ours. Like, because why not? Like you're saying, it's a win-win situation mm -hmm. for them. Uh, it kind of backfires a little bit on them because maybe, you know, a lot of the conversation has turned to like, this guy was gay, so that's why he hated mm -hmm. the gay community. Um, so yeah, ISIS obviously doesn't want a gay dude as their 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 figurehead or whatever, their, their, their killer of the moment. Um, so now they've amped up their rhetoric about hating homosexuals and, and a lot of the propaganda is like, go find gays and go kill them and all this stuff, you know? So, but whatever, right. ISIS for them. Yeah. Why not say that this guy was one of theirs? It seems like their reach is a lot farther than it is. And you know, they're in the middle of dealing with the whole Fallujah situation and all this stuff. So it's just a good, it's a good opportunity for them to, to ramp up the PR essentially. But they, again, there's no clear link between him and ISIS other than he, he said, said the it. phrase ISIS and they're willing to, to run with it. Sure. Uh, one interesting quote that was given by Patrick Skinner okay. about this was that they live in a fact-free bubble. ISIS does. ISIS does. Resilient to counter-narratives. The, the hypocrisy of a secretly <laughs> gay said, man. You said that like a Greek uh, person speaking English. Uh, hypocrisy. Uh, the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, yeah. Of a, of a secretly gay man acting for the world's most violent homophobic terrorist groups would be lost on them. Yes. Meaning that they don't understand w what they just did. Well, I think what he's saying is it doesn't matter what the reality is because they operate in a very, um, like they control the narrative and yes. the people that are supportive of them are fact free. They, they, they will listen to what ISIS has to say over what the reality is. And God, doesn't that sound a little bit like the GOP? Doesn't that sound a little mm -hmm. bit like the Democrats? Doesn't it sound a little bit like corporate advertising and all that stuff? It's like, no, no, no. Oh, it, does, it sounds like North Korea. It doesn't matter what the reality is. We're just shaping the narrative. So who cares? Anybody that says otherwise, they're lying. They're against us. It's they're Trump. infidels. Get out. The Washington Post. No, I don't like their coverage. They're out. Yeah. Okay. So you're just doing essentially what ISIS does with their propaganda. It's the same thing. It becomes very, very dangerous. Absolutely. When when reality isn't real anymore, when you're just you're just getting the information from the people that you agree with and nobody else. That yeah, of course, it's extremely dangerous. John McCain had this to say, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, I can't do a McCain impression. Barack Obama is directly responsible for it. The Orlando shooting. What? Because when he pulled everybody out of Iraq, Al Qaeda went to Syria, became ISIS and ISIS. What is today? What it is today? Thanks to Barack Obama's failures. As I have said, President Obama's decision to completely withdraw U.S. troops from Iraq in 2011 led to the rise of ISIL. I and others have long warned that the failure of the president's policy to deny ISIL safe haven would allow the terrorist organization to inspire, plan, direct, or conduct attacks on the United States and Europe, as they have done in Paris, Brussels, San Bernardino, and now Orlando. What a kook John McCain is. Uh, <laughs> different planet. Totally different planet. He goes to clarify, he tweeted... Uh, to clarify, I was referring to President Obama's national security decisions that have led to ISIS, not the president himself. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you for clearing that Thank up. you. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, interestingly, in August of 2010, John McCain tweeted, last American combat troops leave Iraq. I think President George W. Bush deserves some credit for victory. Now it's Obama's fault for withdrawing the troops, and that's why ISIS. But in 2010... Wow, victory for George W. Bush. Like, are you fucking crazy? But that's the bubble. That's what we're talking about. Reality, facts, they don't matter. And that 
tweet that he made from 20, uh, 2010 doesn't even count, right? No, of course not. It doesn't even exist. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the, the fact that the shooter is gay, potentially, in Orlando, and, and ISIS has now heralded a, a gay person as their leader, that doesn't matter. We just spin it the other way. It's fine. <sighs> Damn spin. Yes. Meanwhile, Democrats started a sit-in on the House floor Wednesday at 11.25 a.m. and continued until earlier today, today being Thursday when we record. Obviously, it's yesterday if you're listening, uh, trying to force a vote on the no-fly, no-buy rule. The Mm -hmm. sit-in lasted about 26 hours. Heidi Heitkamp, who's a Democrat from North Dakota, says, it's a great bipartisan proposal, this no-buy, no-fly proposal. I applaud all of my colleagues who have taken what can only be a pretty terrifying, in some ways, first step into trying to achieve bipartisan consensus on an issue that today is one of the most contentious issues. Martin Heinrich, who's a Democrat from New Mexico, says, it's time to start putting progress in front of politics. I think we're all heart sick at the kind of terrible Groundhog Day feeling that we've had as we've seen uh, shooting after shooting in this country. Let me say this about this no fly, no buy proposal. Mm-hmm. As of 2014, well, no guns for no fly list people, okay? Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't be able to buy guns. Select D list, which is for people who are required to have extra screening at airports. They also wouldn't be allowed to buy guns. Um, as of 2014, nearly half of the people on the list had, quote, no recognized terrorist group affiliation. So why but, are they on the list? Okay, great question. And there's also no effective means or uh, means of redress for unfair or incorrect designation. So the list, this no buy, no fly thing that they're dealing with, half of the people on there, almost half, are not af- affiliated in any way with any kind of terrorist organization hmm. if you are on there and you're definitely not a terrorist there's really no effective way to get your name off that list in fact there's a seven-month-old baby on the no-fly list that clearly is not a terrorist but i would love to know how that name got up there just mistaken identity uh, 2700 americans are on the no-fly or select selectee list uh the orlando shooter the san bernardino shooter not on the list hmm uh, so, okay. And 15 to 20 Republicans would have to sign on to even get this thing passed to begin with. So really when you break it down, they do a 26 hour sit in, mm-hmm. um, it would really only affect 2,700 people, half of which have no actual affiliation with any kind of terrorist organization, one of which is a seven-month-old baby, and they still can't get anything done. So something that doesn't matter, essentially, is just essentially a symbolic thing, uh, a logical thing. They can't even do it. See, I disagree with you on that. Uh, in short term, yes. But I think in long term, I think this might be the gunshot that changed Congress. From, from being a Why? do-nothing Congress. They didn't Congress. do anything. They can't do anything. And the thing they're trying to do doesn't even really affect anything. Yeah, but the, the point is they're trying to do something. Yes. And when we have real elections, it's going to be, look at who tried to do something versus look at who has tried to do nothing yeah. for the last two, four years, six years, how, how many ever long the term is. Right. No, okay. I hear you. Right. I mean, but it's very frustrating even when you then look at the thing they're trying to do where they're like, come on, like we can do this no fly, no buy thing. Woo, let's do it. Let's sit on the floor. Let's make this happen. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, but they're just going to put a baby on the, uh, this baby can't buy a gun now. Like, I don't know. It seems like a silly thing. And even the last two major shootings that we've had in this country, they, those people weren't even on the goddamn list. I hear what you're saying. Symbolically, mm-hmm. um, this maybe is a turning point moment because you're, you are seeing people 
a percentage of Republicans, not enough that you need, but a percentage of them being like, all right, we get it. Like, okay, we, we have, yes, something has to be done. Cause we were talking about it before the show even started. Right now we're in a situation where it's spin the roulette wheel and whatever fucking state that ball lands on, that's where the next person could be killed. It mm-hmm. is a random jackpot uh, situation that we're in right now. So look around you, pick a state, pick a, pick a street and pick the 20 people that live on that block and they could all be dead tomorrow in America. That's the situation that we're in. If nothing gets done and guess what? Nothing's going to get done. done. Chris Murphy days ago, uh, led a 15 hour filibuster in which, uh, the Senate failed to pass legislation on Monday. He, he had this filibuster to try to force a vote. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get. And then when the vote happened, they couldn't get anything done. I have a video here of Chris Murphy that I'll play in a second, okay. just to kind of wrap this up, just to see like the aggravation that's coming off these people. Uh, Chris Cox, who's an NRA legislative arm executive director, Okay, this is going to be irritating. Says, hmm. keeping guns from terrorists while protecting the due process rights of law-abiding citizens are not mutually exclusive. Unfortunately, Senator Collins, who is a Republican that was willing to go along with this, uh, and others are focusing their efforts on unconstitutional proposals that would not have prevented the Orlando terrorist attack. The American people want Congress to stop playing politics and pass policies that will keep them safe from terrorists. Yeah, like gun control, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. This is the video of, so of course the NRA, you know, who has all these garbage politicians in their pocket. And again, the vote, the vote, the first vote, the one that Chris Murphy's about to whine about, um, fell across party lines. No Republicans voted for it. They can pretend that they did. And some of them are trying to get on board with this very meager proposal here, but it was along party lines. And the reason is those are the people getting paid by the NRA. All right. Chris Murphy on the gun control failure, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to a 2016 update that I think is pretty uh, informative. Uh, well, thank you, Diane, for your leadership. It's not, I'm mortified by today's vote, but I'm not surprised by it. We learned in the months after Sandy Hook that the NRA has a vice-like grip on this place, even when 90% of the American public wants change. New poll out today. of Americans believe in expanded background checks. 87% of Americans think that terrorists shouldn't be able to buy guns. 87% of Americans, 90% of Republicans in that poll, think that terrorists should not be able to buy guns. I don't think democracy allows for this Congress to be so out of step with the American public for very long. And so I'm mortified by today's vote. But... My spine is strengthened by the fact that we had 40 Democrats on the floor demanding change. That over the course of this week, we've had millions of Americans join our crusade to end this epidemic of gun violence. And as Republicans scramble as we speak to try to find some way out of this mess, as they try to find some way to show that they understand that 90% of Americans don't want terrorists to get guns, we are closer than ever before to breaking the NRA's grip on this place. Let's be honest. Terrorists today are using assault weapons rather than IEDs or airplanes to attack Americans. After September 11th, we decided that we weren't going to allow terrorists to get a hold of airplanes in order. Which, by the way, Mm -hmm. 
they're gonna if they want to get an airplane, they'll get it. I don't believe that security is really doing a ton. Uh, frankly, I don't. I just think they haven't really tried. But I think they could get. But that's another conversation. Order to kill civilians. Well, today they've moved on to assault weapons. They specifically recruit lone wolf attackers to go to gun shows to buy assault weapons. And we should take the same tact. So we're not giving up. The American people aren't giving up. Uh, we'll watch how these negotiations play out over the next few days. But I will tell you this. They are simply evidence of the fact that Republicans know they are on the wrong side of the electorate. Democracy doesn't allow for this place to be this far out of step with 90% of Americans for very long. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see because nothing, still nothing's happened. See, you would think that they could just say common sense gun law and, and sign off on it. Well, this, this is the thing. I mean, right, theoretically, but that's not how, how this works. And even if everybody was like, all right, you know what? Fine. Everybody's on the no fly list. No guts. It's evidence of the fact that the whole thing is broken to begin with because the, the no fly list is fucked up too. Yeah. Like that's not even a good system. So you'd have to even reform that. Like even getting this incremental shitty change done is still then creating more problems because you're putting people on the list in maybe uh, argue, arguably a racist way or a stupid way. And you, you haven't even proven any of this. And there's no function in place to, to even challenge your addition to the, the no fly list. This kid, the seven month old kid is not going to be able to fly. She's literally not going to be able to fly when she gets older and she wants to go on spring break because she's going to Disney World. She can't. She's on the fly list. They're gonna have and to find no a way, way to, to fix get, that. Yeah, I hope. right. Good luck. You can't even put it. You can't even be like terrorists can't buy guns. No, that's too hard. Then maybe you get that passed. Now forget it. Now you got to get a whole bureaucracy in place to try to get people off the no fly list, and it's gonna be secretive. And how long does it take to appeal it? It's like fuck it. It just becomes that's the situation. That then that's the the real problem with all of this. It becomes so difficult. And so frustrating for people to become involved in the system and then they see how corrupt it is and all the stuff where they just go, ah, I'm apathetic to the whole thing. I don't even care anymore. And that's the best scenario for the moneyed interests that actually control the system when people just turn their heads away and go, forget it. Yep, but... What can be seen is the people aren't turning their heads away. Not, but they will. That's the problem. No, no, no. We will eventually. But during the sit-in, uh-huh. the, the Paul Ryan had all the cameras cut from C-SPAN. Yeah, which, by the way, uh-huh. that's, real, that's real democratic. Yes. So, What so, do we do when we first invade a country? What's the first thing you do? You cut the power? You no, know, you, you, you gain control of the media. Ah. Uh-huh. You control the radio, you control the airwaves, because then you are controlling the message, the propaganda mm-hmm. or whatever it is. The, the information stops coming from the regime that you're taking over. It starts coming from you. So that's why he does that, because C-SPAN is this uh, ambivalent thing staring at what is happening. So people will be able to interpret what is happening on their own. Mm-hmm. Can't let that happen. This shit's got to be spun through the media filter. Otherwise, they're going to see what kind of fucking C-words we are. And then what happened was, I forgot his name, but he was a Democratic senator yeah. who started uh, Periscoping. Periscoping it, right, which yes. that went down also. Um, what was the, what, where were we going with that? I forgot. The, the point is that um, the public uh-huh. can see what's going oh, on. Oh. Yeah, but the public that's they, paying attention can see what's going on. Nobody watches C-SPAN. People watch C-SPAN for the correspondence center. Okay, so what? And you know what people like to watch on Facebook? 
cats getting brain freeze when they're eating ice cream. Okay. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what people like to watch. That's what I like to watch too, but I'm also paying attention to this shit. Um, I hear you, Joey, but you really are coming down on the side of people are not more likely to be apathetic than they are to stay engaged in this conversation for very long. Once you see the first one go down and the second one go down, it's like, ah, forget it. Right. Because there's other shit to to pay attention to that's more entertaining and enjoyable and satisfactory. However, this is an issue that can affect everybody. Totally. Uh, It's our safety and our security is at risk. Yep, I understand. And all you have to do is make it a little bit harder for certain individuals to buy a gun. And when 90% agree on this issue... 90% when I go, hey, Joey, do you think um, uh, terrorists should get a gun? What's no, your answer? No, no. Real easy no. to just answer that question. Yeah. Then I go, okay, but you would now have to pay attention. Okay, the, great. Uh, 90% of the people agree with you. Now pay attention to this issue for the next two years and pay attention to who voted no and who's getting money for And you're like, oh, I forgot it. It becomes very difficult. Can I, you do it for me? Can you have a website that yes, says how everyone- yes, yes, yes. We have this system. It's called representative democracy. And yes, oh. there are people that can do it for you. Oh, bad news though. They're in the pocket of the NRA. So no, they actually won't do it for you. They're going to do it for the NRA, but they're going to do something, nothing. So what can I do? You can, I, you I, can I, keep I, I hammering. The senators. Yeah, you can keep hammering. And, you, and guess what? That 90% turns into like 18% really quickly. I, I was having this conversation with uh, Molly last night mm-hmm. because like I said, you know, I, I produced the UFC podcast and they, they interviewed The Rock yesterday, who's yes. the man. And you hear The Rock, like, he gets up at four in the morning, he works out, he gets on set at 7 a.m. It's like crazy, but obviously he's making money, right? He's making yeah, a lot of money. He's doing what he wants. Uh, if you grabbed a thousand, this is my contention, you tell me what you think. If you grabbed a thousand random Americans and you were like, listen, we'll give you, and I'm just making up an arbitrary number, we'll give you $10 million, same amount of money that maybe The Rock is making to make, you know, Fast and the Furious, whatever it is. We'll give you $10 million. But for the next five months, you need to eat a very specific diet. You need to get up at four in the morning, work out, go on set for 12, 18 hours, do that that cycle over and over and over again. You got media obligations, all this shit. What percentage of that thousand do you think would actually stick it out for, for even $10 million for five months? You think it's going to be a hundred percent? No. Fuck no. It's going to be maybe half. Disciplined. Discipline, mental strength, keeping a positive attitude, all that stuff. It's very difficult. That's why not everybody's the rock. That's why not everybody's a movie star. Same thing. Same thing with this. Yeah. You might get killed, but what are the odds? You know, your people are willing to be way more apathetic and I, and it's the same type of idea. How many people have the enthusiasm, the work ethic, the discipline to actually do that? Not enough. Even for $10 million, like life-changing, unbelievable money. Not a lot. I bet less than half. And it's the same situation, even easier than that. It's like, yeah, just email your congressman once in a while or tweet at them. Nah, it's too, it's too hard, man. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, maybe I'm being, you know, uh, pessimistic about it, but I, I think that's the case. Right? What percentage of that thousand do you really think would be able to keep the rock schedule for five months for $10,000 for $10 million? I say ten percent. <laughs> right, I agree. I don't think. I don't think it's. Yeah, it's not all of them. Certainly not. Ten million dollars is a lot. That seems like a motivating factor. But you would also think like not getting murdered would be a motivating factor. But it's not enough. It never is. Correct. Bernie Sanders. All right. Let's do this twenty sixteen update, and then we'll wrap up again. Another goddamn long episode. I can't help it. The fans demand it, Chris. 
I appreciate it, and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing our best. I want to say this: next week's episode, uh-huh. uh, we are gonna do, and then the week after, we're actually gonna take a week off because you're gonna be on vacation, right? You're gonna yeah, be vacay. on a trip, um, and I'm actually going to be uh, out in Las Vegas for that weekend as well. Next week, yes. Week after, no. And then we'll be back the week after. Okay. Um, all right. Bernie Sanders released a video on his website, Bernie Sanders, BernieSanders.com. Uh, and let's let's just hear what Bernie had to say. All right. This campaign is also about defeating Donald Trump, the Republican candidate for president. After centuries of racism, sexism, and discrimination of all forms in our country, we do not need a major party candidate who makes bigotry the cornerstone of his campaign. We cannot have a president who insults Mexicans and Latinos, Muslims, women, and African Americans. We can't <laughs> almost have a everyone. <laughs> yes. We can't have a president that insults almost everyone. That's insane. In the midst of so much income and wealth inequality, wants to give hundreds of billions of dollars in tax breaks to the very, very rich. We cannot have a president who, despite all of the scientific evidence, believes that climate change is a hoax. The major political task that together we face in the next five months is to make certain that Donald Trump is defeated and defeated badly. And I personally intend to begin my role in that process in a very short period of time. I recently had the opportunity to meet with Secretary Clinton and discuss some of the very important issues facing our country and the Democratic Party. It is no secret that Secretary Clinton and I have strong disagreements on some very, very important issues. It is also true that our views are quite close on others. I look forward in the coming weeks. <laughs> Just Why? the way he's saying this and the way that it's, I know you guys can't see it if you're, li- you know, obviously you're listening uh, in your little earbuds there, but if you look at the video, it's, it's almost like if you, it's a green screen, yeah. but it, you know, it just says Bernie in the background, but it can very easily be like a dark, like a dark room. And the way he says that, it sounds like the gun is to his head. It's like a <laughs> yeah, terrorist. Man, like, I will help support Hillary Clinton. Uh, we agree on other things like good. Am I doing it right? You know, <laughs> but I told you sweet, sweet Bernie was going to get on board. You know, yeah. he's, he's not, he's not crazy. He knows what's got to be done here to continue discussion between <laughs> the two campaigns to make certain that your voices are heard and that the democratic party passes the most progressive platform in its history and that Democrats actually fight for that agenda. I also look forward to working with Secretary Clinton to transform the Democratic Party so that it becomes a party of working people and young people and not just wealthy campaign contributors. All right. So there you go. So Bernie Sanders, like we mentioned. Falling in line. Of course. The guy's not, you know, he, he might be radical, but he's not crazy. Okay. There's a big difference there. So he he's he, he knows what's got to happen here. And also, the way that things are going for the Republicans, I mean, they're fucking in complete disarray. And we're going to talk about Trump in a second, how mm-hmm. this thing is probably really likely over already. Uh, they're going to lose control of, of Congress. For, definitely. I mean, in my opinion, they're going to lose control of Congress. Guess who's going to be a major influence in Congress? 
He is. The independent senator from Vermont. Uh, yeah, he's going to be... Who's not going to want to hear from Bernie Sanders, though? He he might not have the name recognition of Trump and Hillary enough to win the presidency, but he's certainly got enough influence over his movement, like we're talking about, and enough people know Bernie. So when you think of Congress, when you think of senators, you can be like, oh, I wonder what Bernie had to say about yeah. it. Well, uh, I think we're going to fight for economic justice, racial justice. You know what I mean? It's like this guy, if, they, if the Democrats control both houses of Congress... God damn it. Bernie is going to wield a lot of power there. And I think that's very exciting. And uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. The head of CME Group, Joey, which is the largest derivatives marketplace in the world. This guy, Terry Duffy, was asked how the election would impact his industry, the derivatives market, which is a, a problematic part of our society. All right. Terry Duffy is the executive chairman. He says, I don't care if it's a Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. I care who's around Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, who's in the administration, who's helping them make the tough decisions to keep America on top. That's to me what's critically important. So I think either way, what's important is the United States keeps its status as the financial services leader. I think both of these two individuals understand that. Contrary to any rhetoric you hear, <laughs> I love this, contrary to any rhetoric you hear during the primary season, because they have to make that type of rhetoric, but I do believe they understand the benefits to our national security, which financial services provides nice things to America. So this guy who runs the world's biggest derivatives marketplace is like, come on, man, you you know they're both going to say this shit, but they get it. They, they know that the financial is the most important thing here. They're fine. It doesn't really matter. And what I'm really concerned about is who's around them and guess who has a say in who's around them? Our industry, right? Because yeah. they're the experts in money. They're the experts in war. They're the experts in technology. And they all talk and we all hang out and we're all on the same team. Let's be honest. They're, we're, they're saying this shit because it's a primary. So of course we got to pretend that we're on left and right, but really we're all on team cash. That's where we are. We're on team derivatives market. They're all on board. Yeah, but uh, team cash, I'd say I would have thought that team cash would be more, it would have more you know, uh, care about more who would be elected to the point that how, how much would it cost to buy them? They own both sides already. Oh, They've so already it doesn't done that matter. math. It doesn't matter. These are the figureheads. They're both, again, Democrat, Republican, they're both on the business party. Okay? They're, they both agree, essentially, on what, what, you know, what gets done financially, the marketplaces, all that stuff. They're, they're, all, they're on the same page. They're both bought by the corporate interests that's how it works <sighs> one a little bit maybe more than the other you can figure out which side that is but they're both in the pocket of, of big business and that's what this guy's saying he's like yeah the rhetoric he's like it's just rhetoric that's what they have to say it's just talking once points. they get in there we're gonna surround them with our guys our goldman guys or this guy and they're gonna be fine and we're gonna make a profit of course, absolutely that's what he's saying he's like we we provide nice things to america it's not so cute nice things like man people love cars and expensive shit it doesn't matter what else is happening. We provide nice things, so yeah. we're, we'll be treated nicely. It's, uh, it's adorable. Uh, Hillary leads Donald Trump in cash on hand, Joey. $42.5 million to $1.3 million, which is absurd. That and sounds it's, crazy talk. It's crazy, and 97% of the time, the campaign that has more money wins, so let's figure this one out. <laughs> Hillary also outnumbers him 683 staff members to 70, okay? 70. Trump has no money. 
Dude. He's out of money. He's not raising any money. He's not giving himself any money. He can pretend that, but Hillary's out raising the shit out of him. And Trump's campaign, listen to this shit, uh-huh. paid $1 million last month to companies controlled by Trump, including- Is he paying himself? Including $423,372 at Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's Palm Beach mansion, which he uses as a, as a private club, and $350,000 to Tag Air, which is a private jet and helicopter company he owns. So, so Trump spent a million dollars last month, almost all of it, to Trump-owned properties, and he's not even raising any more money. Nobody's donating money. So essentially, this fucking guy is taking donated money uh-huh. and putting it back into his own pocket because it's... Over. It's so, over. So he's legally. Of course he's allowed. Well, because they held events there. He's got to travel. Laundering money, though. He's legally laundering money. Well, it's not laundering money because it's not coming from like drug sales or something. But, you know, it's 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 legal, but it's fucking but he's absurd. Pay- That's He's paying himself. That's well, awesome. If, yeah. Well, if you owned a jet company and you needed a jet. I'm going to use the company. Yeah, you're going to use your own company, and why not use the money that people donated to me to spend it? That's what a campaign expenditure is for. It's adorable. Man, his taxes are going to be like crazy. Well, we're never going to see that. Uh, Finally, dummy fired his campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, abruptly on Monday because the wheels are falling off. Um, You know, I mean, this is a a nightmare for Republicans. Excuse me. Well, we can pretend not, but okay. Uh, It is not. It's a pivot because he has to run a general election now. Are you out of your the mind? The primaries are done. How's he going to do that? He's got a million dollars. He's going to coin all those favors. Uh-huh. Yeah, all okay. the favors mm-hmm. from Trump University and Trump Stakes and Trump Magazine. And there was more. No. No, you had a no good favors. showing today, and now you're, now, now you're just uh, <laughs> you're playing extreme devil's advocate for Trump. No, I mean, realistically... The Republicans are paying lip service to this guy, but the money's not coming in. Nobody's campaigning for him, really. He's not raising any actual money. Um, that it's a, it's not it's not a good situation. And if the Republicans really had any gall, they would get they would find a way to not let him be the nominee. Wait, isn't that what the convention's for? We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. Or they're just gonna like we talked about earlier. They're just gonna be like, yeah, yeah, he's our nominee. Not support him. He's essentially a lame duck candidate. You're just sacrificing him. Let let it let Hillary win, and then just regroup and try to get something going in the next four years. But Trump's not going to be the president. I mean, all signs point to this is not possible. Okay, so you and we're ha- going to wrap up with this. Obviously, okay. so we'll have this conversation. So you have the Republican base, right? Uh huh. And you believe because you're a Republican that we can't afford another four years of Obama's administration mm-hmm. because that's virtually what would be would be Hillary Clinton continuing his policies. Yes, if you're the Republican base, you firmly believe that Obama is basically the Antichrist and this Nigerian-Manchurian candidate that's come to ruin America okay. in the name of ISIS. So how can, you, how can you put up somebody you don't support? Isn't that going against all your how beliefs? How can who put up someone you don't the support? Republicans, how the Republicans. The Republicans didn't pick Trump. The base did. You're conflating two things. The base picked Trump because the base has been fed a spoonful and a bucket full of lies by the Republican establishment for years and years and years. Trump is just repackaging those same ideas to that same base, and they believe him because he's an outsider and not somebody that's bought and paid for by the industry. Mistake is he is. He is bought and paid for by the industry. And if he's not, he can't win. 
right? He has no chance of winning. He can't do the job. And they're mad at the Republican establishment because they've heard the same shit from them for years, but they don't represent those people the same way that corporate Democrats don't represent the Democratic base. That's why Bernie's got a lot of traction. The only difference is Bernie's actually an elected official and has actual say and knows what he's doing. But th there's the base does not run the Republican Party. Corporations run the Republican Party. So basically, it's a ship that's sinking right now. Absolutely. There's zero chance this guy is going to run. And it's, I think it's probably 40% chance he doesn't even make it to the convention. Ooh. How could he? He's out of money. He has no staff. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, but he could just drive his own airplane to wherever he's got to go, and he just does the minimum. Yeah, do the minimum. That's fine. Hillary's going to do the fucking maximum. and She's going to win this thing. <laughs> Period. More money will win every time. And she's going to have way more money. Plus, she's actually qualified and he's not. That's, you know, the reality, too. We can pretend all day that it's like, it's a movement. All these people love him. He's t telling it like it is. For some percentage of the country, define the Republican base. It's poor, angry white people. Outside of that, not much else. If Hillary gets educated white people, women, Hispanics, African-Americans, everyone else, gay community. That's a lot of votes. It's everybody. It's everybody else. It's just not dumb white people. And I'm not saying that everybody supports Trump is that way, but that's the base. That is the base. And, and people can get upset about that. And Republicans think it's just, well, you're, you just hate Republicans. No, I'm telling you your problem. You can choose to accept it or not, but that is the problem. Your base is too small and too narrow to actually elect a president. That's the problem. So the take it or leave it. I don't even support Hillary. So don't think it's like a Democrat Republican thing, but that's the problem. And I could keep saying that over and over again until they accept the fact that their, their ideology is too rigid and their base is too small. They're never going to win. And that's where we stand. That's where we stand as of right now, Joey. Whew. Good episode. Great episode. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, joining me for this, as always. Johnny, thank you for doing the production work over there. Thank you for chiming in, too. Happy to be part of the show. You sound thrilled. I just, I, is that sarcastic? Nope. Nope. I, because I am happy to be part of the show. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, you can find this podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe on there. You can leave us a uh, nice you know review a nice rating we really appreciate it google play is an option soundcloud.com slash mandatory samson is an option you can go on there leave comments i'll respond to them so will joey you can email us mandatory samson at gmail.com twitter snapchat instagram i'm at man samp all of it uh joey is at joey from jersey on twitter and snapchat his instagram name he messed it up i don't know what happened there uh we Love you guys. Keep listening. Keep spreading the word. We really appreciate everything you do for us. We will keep doing what we do for you, and we will do it again next week. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>